0: This is Mouth Media Network covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio.
1: Bill Bennett. A simple Google search will show you that he's an Australian producer and director of feature films, documentaries, and television, whose work over more than three decades has received several of Australia's highest awards and has been distributed by most of Hollywood's major studios. And yet his most recent film, called PGS, Intuition, Your Personal Guidance System, may be the one that has had the most impact on his life. Coming up, you will hear about his round-the-world journey to interview experts on intuition, including a Harvard-trained neuroscientist, renowned psychic mediums, and even the Prince of Bhutan and you'll discover his five-step process for tapping into your own intuition that I just followed today, how this relates with purpose and human evolution, and what started it all, how hearing a voice at just the right moment saved his life. Welcome to the All Possibilities podcast I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to be back here. This is my first time on the mic after having a baby boy. His name is Jonathan. And it has been so thrilling and really a spiritual journey on my part. And I'll share more about that in probably some other episodes. But uh, it is just a fantastic honor to have my first guest back on the show today. His name is Bill Bennett. And uh, you will hear so much more about him and hopefully see more of his movie, his film that he has created. It is absolutely beautiful. And so, Bill, it is a pleasure to have you here um, I know you come from Australia, so so welcome to New York and welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Julie. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you.
1: So, Bill, I watched your film and it is truly inspiring in terms of all the, the key themes that you've touched upon and I wish we had hours to talk about each of those themes and I'd like to start out first by having you share what motivated you to even create the film and what what was the moment where where this experience uh, this experience happened to you and you thought this is something that other people should know about
2: (laughs) well what happened was i was actually working on a movie i'm a filmmaker you know that's what i do i was working on a movie in new orleans in 1999 so that's 18 years ago now and I had to get to the airport uh, early, before dawn. It was the first flight out. As I was approaching an intersection, there were it was dark. There were no cars on the road. And there was a green light up ahead. I went to accelerate to get through on the green light. I didn't, I didn't want to be held up on a red light. And as I went to accelerate, I heard a voice. And the voice said, slow down. And I dismissed it. I, I just... I just dismissed it I I wondered whether I'd actually heard it I thought maybe I was dreaming I you know I I went to accelerate again and the voice kicked in a second time more emphatically said slow down I did slow down and as I entered the intersection out of nowhere a truck ran a red light on a cross street hurtled through the intersection narrowly missed me missed me by inches and if I hadn't listened to that voice if I hadn't slowed down that I have absolutely no no doubt that that truck would have killed me. I pulled up on the other side of the intersection. I was shaking I, the adrenaline had kicked in i i was um I was in shock really I think it had been you know it it had been such a close call, and three questions hit me immediately: What was that voice? Where did it come from, and why did it save my life? The whole thing just seemed so surreal and those are the three questions then that stayed with me over this 18-year period it's taken to make the film. Wow.
1: From the film, it seemed as if it were just yesterday that it happened. And yeah. and it's really incredible that, that this is really a labor of love and an exploration for, for a good part of your life.
2: Well, what happened was I... I didn't even think about it then for several years afterwards. That's not not entirely true. I did think about it, but I never thought about making a film. Um, The image of the truck going through that intersection, just narrowly missing me, did stay with me, absolutely. And what happened was I became curious, and I wanted to know what happened, why it happened, and, you know, those three questions. I began to read and I began to research. Now, I, at that time, was not a spiritual person. I had grown up in a secular household with both parents being dentists, um, all my siblings, my brothers and sisters, had all gone into the medical sciences. I was the only one that didn't. But in fact, I, in, when I left high school, I went to med school. I spent a couple of years studying medicine, but then I segued into journalism. And journalism only reinforced my skepticism, my, you know, the secular uh, outlook that I had gathered from my upbringing. So when I started to make this film, I came from that sceptical background. I came from a journalistic background. And what I discovered, Julie, is that um, I tried to make the film the way I'd made all all my other films. I made, by that stage, I think, 14, 15 movies. So I've been quite successful at actually getting movies made. I worked both as a producer and director. But I, I discovered that, with well, the film, my intuition wasn't working. I couldn't get the film made the way that I had made my previous films. And the way that I'd made my previous films was through sheer force of will. <laughs> That's how you make movies in the independent sectors I work in. You, you know, you, you, have to be, you have to be quite bullish. You have to um, parade all of your type A personality characteristics. <laughs> um, it just wasn't working with this movie. And something happened, something happened that switched all that around, that, um, shall I tell you what happened?
0: Oh, yes.
2: Well, for 10 years I've been trying to get this film made, and I'd go to financiers and distributors and all the people that I'd gone to who'd you know, helped me with my previous movies, and I'd all say, look, Bill, this sounds like a terrific movie, and we're sure you do a good job on it and so forth, but it's too left field for us, we can't. We can't back you. Um, And I was at the point of giving up. I was almost at that point of saying, look, maybe the universe is telling me through all of these rejections that this is not something I should do. And I went to bed one night and I asked myself a question. And I said, in the morning I've got to decide whether or not I should just walk away from this film or whether I should persevere with it. That night I had a dream. The dream was very, very clear in its directive. The dream told me that I should make the film, I should make it in an unconventional and unorthodox way. I shouldn't wait for the budget that I wanted or the crew size that I wanted. I should go out and use whatever resources were at hand, jury-rig it, cobble it together with, you know, um, whatever, whatever resources I could find, but just do it and begin it. Well, the thing is that I woke up out of that dream and it was 4.44 in the morning. It was 4.44 a.m. And I thought, hmm, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my iPad by my bedside and I immediately Googled what does 4.44 mean. And up came several entries and they all essentially say, said the same thing. And what they said was this, that at this moment you are surrounded by angels your archangels and your spirit guides and they are urging you to move forward with your endeavor if you trust and use your inner guidance and your intuition you will be led to great success and know that these angels and archangels and guides will be with you to protect you along your way well this this absolutely floored me, if I've got to say, because I'd woken up straight from this dream, where the dream was clear, absolutely clear in what it was telling me. And then I read this, and I knew that I had to make a decision. I knew that I had to make a decision. Really, the decision was quite simple. Do I believe it or do I not believe it? If I, if I say I do believe it, then I have to go and make the film the way the film had told me to, the way the dream had told me to, the way that um, that section on 444 told me to. If I dismissed it all as some crazy coincidence and some weird kind of woo-woo thing that happens in the middle of the night, then I had to walk away from the film. And at that moment, I decided to believe it, and in doing that, I brought the film into creation and I changed my life fundamentally
1: wow that is just it's it's one of the most beautiful parts of living an intuitive life is receiving these messages and then having the courage to to walk down a path that maybe the ego or the intellect may may shout <laughs> against especially when it comes to uh resources financial resources i think is definitely something that a lot of us um, deal with. What was it like to actually make that decision to say yes, I want to do this, and then, and then what happened? Did did a lot of um, synchronicities happen? What what was it like to to find all of these really great influencers and um, people that you interviewed on the sh- on the film? How did that happen?
2: Well. <laughs> what was it like? Um, I didn't think about it, Shirley. I just made that decision. I just ran with it. If I thought about it, if I, if I I figured that if I if I tried to rationalise it, I would get get scared and I'd pull out. So I didn't. I just, having made the decision, I just ran with it. So what happened was, I I went back to sleep. I woke up a few hours later. I got onto my travel agent and booked flights to India because I figured that was a good place to start I knew that I had to learn more and I knew that eventually I would come to America to you know to talk to people there I never had a list of who to interview Um, having made the decision to go down this path I decided that I would give myself over entirely to guidance I got on the plane to India. I had nothing lined up. I'd tried because I'd actually worked in India um, previously on, on, you know, s- developing some movies, and so I'd. But all my contacts in India were movie people. They weren't spiritual people, and no one could help me. And I got into the back of a cab after I landed in Bombay Airport, and I'm sitting in the back of the cab with my wife, who produced the movie with me, and. I'm starting to feel really, really anxious and nervous because I had nothing lined up. You know, I bought this expensive camera and I had all this sound gear and, you know, my wife and I had put in our retirement savings to kick it off and I had nothing to do. I had nothing lined up. And while I was sitting there in the back of the cab, I had, I had in my mind's eye a recollection of having seen a billboard on the side of the road, on the side of the highway going into the, going into the city and I remember the billboard clearly probably from a previous trip to Mumbai and the Bombay was um sorry the the billboard was the Bombay Yoga Institute and then a phone number and I saw it clearly I can still see it I can still see it now um the ty- typeface the way it was laid out everything and so in the back of the cab I had uh, roaming on my iPad I I Googled Bombay Yoga Institute and up came their web page with contact details. So from the back of the cab, I called the Institute and I said, look, I'm a filmmaker from Australia. Can I come and interview the director about intuition? They said, sure, come around the next day. So I went around the next day and there out front in the entrance to the Institute was this very same billboard that I had seen. Now, on the rest of the trip in to the airport, after I'd made that phone call, I never saw that billboard, and I thought that's strange. They must have taken it down. So I did the interview with the director, and after the new interview, I said, "What happened to the billboard out by the, you know, on the road coming in from the airport? Have you, have you taken it down?" And she said, "No, we've never had a billboard there." And I said, "You must have because I've seen it." And she said, "No, we've never had a billboard there." The only signage we have is outside the entrance.
1: Wow. I just got chills throughout my entire body when you just said
2: that. I mean, this is one of several things, Julie, that that happened to me in the making of the film. Because what happened was this. Uh, With that interview with that lady, um, a remarkable woman uh, who's in the film, um, she said, where are you going next? And I said, well, I was thinking of going to Rishikesh. And she said, well, you really should see this extraordinary person who is a living saint and he runs the most, the most renowned ashram on the Ganges in the northern part of India. And so I went to Rishikesh, I met him, and that was really the start of the film. You know, he then directed me to somebody else and that person directed me to somebody else. And so I now have a movie that has all of these, you know, probably the top experts in intuition from all around the world. But I never had a list. I was led from one to the other to the other. And I have to tell you that I am in awe of the powers that worked through me to bring this film into creation because I take no ownership of that.
1: I remember looking at the website about your film and seeing the the experts that you did interview interview and thinking, wow, these are all the people that I'd love to have on on our show. Where it, you have, I, I love how on in the film itself, um, the way that you highlight the words and the positions uh, of these people. It's you know, PhD, MD, Harvard trained neurosurgeon, psychiatrist, all of these um, very rational minded people all talking about subjects that I uh, would think. Are, would be uncommon, I'd say, ranging from angels to intuition to God to um, purpose. So I'd like to, I'd like to maybe have you share one of your favorite themes in the movie or questions that maybe surprised you in the answer that you discovered or or that you feel that people would, if, if they're going to take away one thing, what is the one thing that they should really look into?
2: Oh, Julia, I think that's really simple. That is that intuition exists, that we all have it, uh, that we're born with it, um, that its purpose is to keep us on purpose on our life path. Um, I proposed in the film, and it was validated through the responses that I got that intuition can be regarded as a legitimate functioning system in the body as as legitimate as the systems we know that science has already validated such as our our digestive system our circulatory system our central nervous system and so forth intuition is a system as legitimate as any one of those it's just that it works within the energetic realm and because it works within the energetic realm, both outside of us and inside of us, science hasn't yet figured out a way to actually empirically um, prove it. And so because of that, they don't acknowledge it. But if you look at Eastern, um, Eastern medicine, you know, you look at the Chinese and the way they've charted the um, acupuncture meridian paths through our body and so forth you look at the chakras that is um, a, a, you know a, a commonly known throughout Hinduism and Buddhism uh, as being part of the energetic internal energetic um, system well Western science won't acknowledge the chakras exist and yet and they won't acknowledge that these acupuncture meridian energetic pathways exist and yet for thousands of years, the East has not only acknowledged them but worked with them. I've got a real problem with um, with Western science in this regard, because I think look, I think a lot of people would like to embrace intuition, but they won't accept it because science hasn't rubber stamped it yet. Science will. As part of my research, I discovered a couple of really interesting things. 150 years ago, 150 years ago, science finally discovered that germs cause disease. Now, that's only five or six generations ago. So, as soon as I realized that, I mean, okay, so let's let's say germs have always caused disease. It's just that only 150 years ago, science said, hey, folks, germs cause disease. You know, so s- suddenly then medicine then changed tack and worked out ways that you could keep well by, you know, preventing germs causing disease. But it begged the question, what else doesn't science know? What else is there out there that is operating, that is functioning, and science is yet to discover it? So as soon as 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 that realization hit me, suddenly it opened up for me the possibility, the very real possibility, that all of this stuff is real it's just that science science hasn't like i say validated yet through empir- empirical measurement
1: one of the thoughts that you shared in the film about that point was about how the ego or the intellect is the 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 culprit let's say or the or the the, the person behind wanting to find that evidence from a scientific point of view what are your what are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, Paul Selig calls... Paul Selig, through his guides, calls the ego the small self. And the, the divine self is the higher self. Um, the small self is like a little kid, you know. It, it, it spits the dummy and wants to rattle a cage and, and really wants to take control. Um, the rational mind, the ego... The small self wants to keep us in what's known because that's safe, and as Lee Carroll, who uh, channels Cryon in the film, says, um, "The rational mind is a survival instrument." So the ego is all about survival, and survival is about is about what's known. So it's always going back into, if you like, your personal archives, and pulling pulling from there, um, from what's been known before. Where intuition differs from that is that intuition steps into the unknown. Intuition takes you into the limitless, the boundless. It takes you into discovery. It takes you into true creativity. But that's terrifying for a lot of people. It's terrifying because what it means is letting go of that small self that ego based self letting go of what's known and stepping into the unknown you see i've discovered that a lot of people say they want to change but they only want change if it means they don't have to change <laughs> um because really they they talk about change but that but they want they want boundaries i will change only if it means i don't have to lose money i will change only if It means I don't have to um, sell my eight-bedroom home. Um, You know, there are are conditions. They place conditions on it. If you really want to step into this intuitive life, you've got to get rid of those fear-based conditions because they are ultimately fear-based. And that's where the ego lies. It lies in the realm of fear.
1: What you just said really resonates because that's been the story of my life and really the story of every day in my life, where it is this constant, um, I don't know if battle is the right term, but there are definitely moments when there is fear, whether it's fear uh, of, you know, stepping out into a new occupation that other people might judge or might think is too far left field um, or, you know, making choices that then may lead to, you uh, either failure or losing a ton of money or losing a life savings, you know, all of these things are very real. And it's it's just rather interesting to to have this notion of reality and this notion of intuition where it is to me equally real and yet it feels as if they live in two different planes. And, and, and sort of um, what I'd like to talk about next. Coming up is is about the bridge between those two worlds. You'll hear that right after this. Do you have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at all possible show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website beingmypurpose.com.
0: Welcome to Hashtag mom's Got This. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Park. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together, we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, Moms Got This. <laughs>
1: Well, you talked about fear and this applies to every aspect of our lives when we really look at it closely. How do you address it?
2: Julie, you know, I tell you what, I look around, I look around and I see how people ac- accept fear as a part of their life. and They don't even question it. To give you an example, it's maybe not such a a thing in New York, but where I live in Australia and in other parts of America where I've seen, so many people drive these stupid, huge SUVs. (laughs) And it's become so commonplace in Australia. And you see mums driving SUVs to school and dropping their kids off and picking them up and so forth. And, And they never get out into what we call the bush. You know, the Outback, they don't go off-road. You know, the the hardest thing they'd probably have to negotiate is the speed bumps, you know, in their suburbs. And, you know, sometimes I ask these people, why have you bought this stupid vehicle? And they say, oh, because there's more metal around and if there's a crash, it'll give me more protection. And some, some say, oh, I, I sit up high and so I'm able to see if there's going to be likely to be an accident. Well, the fact is, because they've got a three-ton vehicle or whatever the hell it weighs, it's going to be harder to stop. It's going to be harder to manoeuvre. In fact, it's less safe. Um, but, there is this, but there's this fear operating. Now, that's just one small way. Um, I'm astonished that people get flu shots. Now, why would you inject germs into your body to stop germs from getting into your body. It makes no sense to me. I mean, it's just nonsensical. And so, you know, but it's accepted. The whole pharmaceutical and vitamin industry is based on fear. There's um, insurance. The whole insurance industry is largely based on fear. Um, We have accepted these as part of our way of living. We don't question it. But I question it. You know, um mind you, coming here to America I have taken out insurance <laughs> <for this> because <laughs> if I get hit by one of those SUVs, I'm gonna be in a hospital, it'll send me bankrupt. So, you know, I'm a screaming <laughs> hypocrite.
1: <laughs> what role then does intuition play? It it seems to me that it may be difficult to to have fear in our bodies in one moment and connect to our intuition in that same moment how how would you approach that
2: i have to say that i am largely devoid of fear and how i have got to that point and i can only ever speak from my perspective how i have got to that point is by reaching an understanding and a belief that Guidance is real, that it exists, that it is protecting me, as it was said in that that 444 thing that that I read that morning, Um, and that I myself are an aspect of divine energy. Now, having come to that belief, what's there to be afraid of? For a start, I'm no longer afraid of dying. I'm no longer afraid of the people around me dying. I'm no longer afraid of ill health. I'm not afraid of losing money or lack or losing social status, any of these things. I have largely left fear behind and that's because I truly believe that there is such a thing as guidance, that there is such a thing as... um, divine guidance it's really simple as that you know so so I didn't really have to go through any kind of (laughs) you know therapy or you know going to a church and you know and and flagellating myself or anything like that Um, it was just an understanding and acceptance that guidance is real and that if it is real if I truly believe that then how can I come to harm What's there to be afraid of? It's really, simple. it's really simple.
1: You talk about dying, and you narrowly escaped dying with your story in the beginning of the show. What about people who were in the same situation but didn't hear a voice? Or, or I guess we have no idea what happened, but they ended up being in an accident and actually dying. How would you... Uh-huh. How would you explain that that's
2: well that's a very real question it's a very legitimate question, and it's one that I've asked myself as well why me and why why was i saved and you know every day hundreds of people thousands of people millions of people get hit by trucks or you know die in horrible ways um, there are a number of number of things that i've I've come to understand one is that um, I actually paid attention and i I paid attention to that voice and I honoured it. Um, We don't know, of course, as you said, that some people might have had some intuitive ping uh, prior to an accident and didn't. You know, they didn't pay attention to it, they didn't honour it, they didn't uh, listen to it and act on it. I did. Um, So there's that. But having said that, I don't think that I'm in any way special or unique or... um, smart, anything like that, I mean, that voice kicked in the second time and just went, whoa, okay. I, I didn't even think about it. I, ju- I just put my foot the, on the brake. Um, there's that. I was told by a Buddhist scholar up in the Dalai Lama temple complex up right at the foothills of the Himalayas that he thought that that voice was what he called a karmic imprint from a previous incarnation of myself where basically I had accumulated good karma, I call them brownie mm-hmm. points, <laughs> karmic brownie points, or karmic get out of jail free cards, <laughs> and um, and because of that, because I had in previous lifetime or lifetimes accumulated good karma, it was now you know it was now paying me back. But what he did say, interestingly, was he said, "Look." you have been given a second chance and now you've got to make sure that the life you lead from this point on is worthwhile you do something with that second chance which which was interesting the third aspect which is a lot harder for you know some people to grasp is maybe it's your time to go you know maybe it is just your time to go um maybe a couple of things maybe you have fulfilled the function for which you were incarnated your purpose or maybe your death is to in some way impact on someone else so you don't know because this is all interrelated it's all it's all multidimensional every everything is connected so you don't know that maybe you were meant to die at that point or the person that killed you is serving a, you know is playing out some kind of karmic function you don't know these things I mean, we don't know these things but getting back to your question as to you know why do hundreds of thousands millions of people die and i didn't um i like to think a good bloke. i was like <laughs> a good bloke in a previous <laughs> yeah. lifetime that's what, that's what I like to think. That's, that's my favorite reason.
1: And that... Because
2: I don't yeah. think I've necessarily been a good person <laughs> oh, this really? lifetime. <laughs> yeah.
1: and, and that maybe part of your purpose is to use that experience and make this film and share that message.
2: Julie, you're absolutely right. That's, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I've come to realize it now, that, that I do see what happened to me... As, as being my purpose, as for, you know, that, that, that my purpose now is, I can see now, has been to make this film and to make people aware of the journey that I've been on. Not necessarily to proselytize and to get on a soapbox and, you know, and say, boy, well, you've got to listen to your intuition. And, you know, if you listen to your intuition, then, you know, you're going to lead a better life. It's not that. All I can do is just say, look, this is what happened to me, and it's changed my life. It's changed my life fundamentally and for the better. And then you can draw from it what you want. I mean, that's... I do see that near fatality now in linear terms as being right. It's brought me to this place right now where I'm at, which is... My function now is to tell people about intuition. Beautiful. Can I yeah. tell you a theory that I have? Oh, Not please. Not a theory. It's look. Let me talk talk to you about intuition for a second because it really confused me. I, I when I when I started out thinking about making this film, I was confused about intuition because it mm-hmm. seemed to me a word that was bandied around almost indiscriminately, randomly, without any kind of cogent, coherent. Um, understanding of what the word is. I would read these books by Malcolm Gladwell, Blink, and Professor Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow, and these very famous books. And they talked about intuition, but it wasn't the intuition that happened to me in that car. And I thought, what is intuition? Um, and I've come, to, I've come to believe this, that intuition can be uh, defined in three categories the first category is what i call survival intuition which is survival of the species and that's the intuition that a parent has for the health and well-being of their child i mean you hear stories all the time of how a mother inexplicably in- inexplic- in- 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 let me do that again <laughs> inexplicably <laughs> inexplicably knows when her child is in danger um, and it happens with, with fathers as well, but we also all of us have survival intuition when we find ourselves in a place in a black alley down a dark alley at nighttime, and we just sense threat or menace, and the hair on the back of our head you know rises, and our heart begins to palpitate through the fight or flight syndrome. It 's very animalistic, primitive, and it 's survival of the species, and it comes from the body. So that's intuition that comes from the body. The second category is what I call cognitive intuition, which is the intuition that a lot of people know. Of, you know, So that's the intuition that is based on expert knowledge, um, forgotten knowledge. You, you, most times we even forget that we know it. But you look at, um, say, an elite a- athlete or sports, sportsman, sportswoman, and they say, oh, I just did that intuitively. I, I made that play intuitively. I, I drove the car around that bend intuitively. I didn't even think about it, but it's based on their, their expert knowledge, uh, which is often so much deeply ingrained in them, they don't even know they have it. The third category, and sorry, that is intuition that comes from the mind. It's intellect-based. It's, intellect it's training-based. The third category of intuition comes from the soul, and that is what I call mystical intuition or divine intuition. And that is the intuition that, that impacted on me. That is a voice that comes out of nowhere, that says, hey, slow down. It, um, mystical intuition presents in dreams, as it did with me. It presents in coincidences and synchronicities, um, flashes of déjà vu or precognition, um, signs, numerology, um, Vedic astrology. These are all ways that mystical intuition can pingers, you know, can can try and grab our attention. And as I say, that is intuition that comes from the soul.
1: The mystical intuition is the the area that has made a huge impact in my life and where I think human evolution is sort of heading in that direction. Um, I'd say maybe, maybe we used to, as humans, connect to that fairly easily if you look at different cultures. But now, for whatever reason, our society is... Um, starting to remember, maybe starting to um, accept, embrace this area, this field. How how would you advise someone to connect to the, to that part of themselves?
2: The film uh, proposes three step. I beg big pardon, five steps um, to access this intuitive system. Stop. Listen. Ask, trust, and follow. Um, but Julie, I think even before that, I think there's, there's, there are two sort of preliminary steps that people need to do. First is they need to acknowledge that intuition exists. They fully need to acknowledge that because um, without acknowledging that it exists, you can't move forward. The second is that you then need to be willing to work with it because it is like a muscle it is an energetic muscle we all have it we're born with it but in a lot of us it has atrophy because we don't use it and we you know we haven't used it for a bunch of reasons but fear is largely one of them so to To use, to develop your intuition, to access those skills, you have to start using it and using it on little things and a couple of ways that I can suggest you do that. But this whole thing of stop, listen, ask, trust, follow is a really good way for somebody to start to become more intuitive. You've got to stop. You've got to get rid of the busyness of your life. And that doesn't necessarily mean you've got to find a cave somewhere and sit cross-legged for 40 minutes a day and um. you can do it in the shower you can do it walking in a park you can do it swimming you can you can do it just listening to beautiful music um, so you need you need to stop and allow it's only when you stop that you then can listen to the intuitive impulses that come to you and listen perhaps is not the right word because a better better way to describe it is to pay attention um, our intuition, as I said before, is trying to, trying to grab our attention all the time. But a lot of us, we just shut down. We're not even aware of it. So listen is a terribly important part. At times, you've got to ask when you when you are faced with a dilemma or faced with a, with a question. Absolutely, it's totally appropriate to ask for intuitive guidance. And one of the things that I suggest to people is. Before you go to bed, ask yourself the question. Some people, some people like to write a note under their pillow and put it under their pillow. You know, should I take this job? Um, should I commit to this relationship? You know, whatever, whatever question is, just ask. And when you wake up in the morning, in that half-dream state before you're fully awake, the answer will be there. And it will be there. That will be your tr- true intuitive guidance. Giving you the answer before your logic kicks in, before your rational mind kicks in, before true wakefulness really interferes with that mystical way that the answer has been given to you. The fourth stage is trust. And that's a really biggie for a lot of people. You've got to trust. You know, you can you – just got to trust. It's really as simple as that and so so hard for a lot of people. You know, because as I said, fear is the biggest inhibitor. You you can't trust and still be fear bound. But perhaps the most important of the whole lot is follow. You've got to follow through. Because you might have been given intuitive guidance, you might have been you your gut reaction, you 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 know, your gut is saying, Oh, I really should um you know, move to California But your intellect is saying, well, no, I can't because I won't get a job there and it means you know, leaving my friends and all of that. But your gut's still saying, I, I really should go, go there. To actually follow, follow through and act on that is really hard. It takes a lot of courage. You know, and that's stepping off the edge of the cliff and trusting that there's going to be you know, a divine safety net there. You know, so stop, listen, ask, trust and follow are five steps that people can take
1: I like how clearly you've outlined it in in the film and all the uh, the experts that you talk to about each of those steps. Uh, when I was watching it, actually, um, there was a, a a situation that arose in my own life where it came in very handy to be reminded of it. And it's interesting because I've for the past several years have led a fairly intuitive life where I, I like having my rational mind and yet I like leading with the intuitive mind. Um, and that has led to beautiful things, beautiful things. And yet something as mundane. I'll, I'll share with you the situation. What happened was uh, our, our landlord did some construction on our bathroom to get rid of uh they had installed it, the, the tile incorrectly. And so, so they had to read you the whole thing and, And so we weren't living there because we had a baby and we were, you know, we allowed space for that to happen. And then when we came back or looked at the apartment, there was construction dust literally in every square inch of the apartment. They had not contained the dust. Um, I have particular allergies and, and, you know, there's there's some toxic uh, materials in construction materials. And so it was one of those situations where I thought it's so it's so mundane. Why did, why did this happen? What am I going to do now? All of these ego uh, based questions. And, and I was very emotionally upset at that point, because I had the baby with me and thinking, what will we do now? And at that moment, I thought, I was watching the film. And uh, it said, stop and listen. And so I, I did a reading, I do these intuitive readings in my mind. And I what I heard, um, because Claire audience is my strongest sense I hear, I channel through that means, what I heard was this was a moment for you to realize that that I already had what I needed. I had my husband, I had my baby, I had me and my dog, and that every single thing in this house was not important. I had placed so much importance on it, you know, all the the crib, the stuffed animals, all the stuff that we had gotten, every souvenir from uh, our travels, all the artwork literally had dust, construction dust all over it. And I think the, the me before that would have been, I don't even know what I would have been, but the material focus of physical things, of objects, of memories would have, uh, been important in one way and the next moment after receiving this intuitive message I realized that none of that mattered it was truly liberating to realize that we could just walk away from the apartment with all of our stuff gathered over the you know the past however many years and that that we were free and so I share that because then now we're literally in the situation of asking um trusting which in the New York real estate market is, you know, hard to trust that within however many weeks we will find a new place that, you know, fits in our price range and all of these very real, material, mundane things, and then to actually follow it. So, so I think it's very fitting that that you share this. Um, and I think it's very fitting that you can just keep repeating these steps over and over again for every single situation in your life, whether it's the job, you know, whether it's how to deal with your boss or um you know what's your next career move. so So thank you for reminding me. And I think if in fact, it was probably divine intervention to to say, "Hey, Julie, this is a reminder that you know you don't have to um you don't have to go into the rational brain too much because it has been so ingrained. Um, and that there are answers and that, you, that there are other forces at play that might mean that there is a new home out there that's perfect for our family that we will find in the next moment. We just don't know.
2: Well, you know, Julie, that's a really interesting story. And one of the things that springs to mind is that I do believe that Source tests you. Every now and again comes along and puts a little test in your, in your path. Just to say, well, okay, you think you're spiritual. Let's just see how spiritual you really are. Mm-hmm. And often these tests are little things. You know, they're little, you know, everyday things that we think are important. But as you said, really they don't matter. Um, you know, how... I, I tell you what, one of the things that's really changed the way that I act with people and really changed the way that I look at the world is... Coming back to that passage that I read about 444, about the fact that I was surrounded by angels and archangels and spirit guides. Well, I started to think about that and I I thought, supposing that is true, let's supposing that is true, let's supposing that right at this moment I am surrounded by angels and archangels. How does that affect the way I behave? How does that affect the way that I deal with you I deal with the producer. I deal with, you know, the lady who spilled coffee when she was serving me lunch. You know, um, if you start to think about that and think that perhaps it's real and then start to go, well, you know what? I'd better lift my game. <laughs> I, I, and it even comes down to thoughts. You know, I mean, I kind of figure that angels can read my thoughts. So to say, to say one thing and do one thing is something. To think something is something else. So you've got to really clean your act up if you accept that we have angels and archangels and, and these beings of light around us. Now, as it says in the film, as Carolyn May says in the film, their job is to protect you and guide you to, she says it beautifully, guide you to the, to the safest place in the room. Um, but yeah, I you know I, every now and again I do think about this, and I've got to say it's made a huge change in the way that in the way that I deal with people. I had a situation where I have been estranged from my sister pretty much since I can remember. Uh, she used to bug me. I used, to, I used to be a really narky kid, and I used to do things that would just rile her. And over the decades, it has got to a point where we just don't speak to each other. And if I do speak to her, she always thinks that there's something behind it and that, you know, that I'm setting her up. Well, as I was making this film, I started to think about that, and I thought, well, you know what? If I am going to clean up my act, I should do it in my own backyard. And I called up my sister and I said, you know what, I love you, I forgive you. Even though I had nothing to forgive, you know. I mean, it was really she should be forgiving me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's my ego. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I said, I love you, I forgive you, let's talk. From now on I'm going to call you up randomly. Don't think there's anything, you know, any hidden agenda. Don't think that I'm trying to, you know, that I'm playing some sort of minute." Min- Manipulative, there, expedite What was that other thing I did? You know, manip- don't think that I'm trying to manipulate you or anything like this. I just want to be friends, and that's what's happened. And that came from this, this thinking, that perhaps there are angels around me, and that yeah, I should clean up my act.
1: And in that moment of courage, because. With estrangements, it takes a lot of courage to be the first one to make that phone call, right?
2: Yeah, and it takes a lot of courage to say, hey, I love you and I forgive you. Um, because forgiveness, as, as Norm, Dr. Norm Shirley says in my movie, forgiveness is perhaps the most important thing, characteristic that we can take into our lives. If, if you do forgive then suddenly everything becomes so much lighter. One of the things that has, has come out of this shift that, that I've undergone in the making of the film is this, that I no, I no longer feel disappointment. I don't feel disappointment in myself or in other people. And I think when I, when I, when I analyse why I don't feel disappointment anymore, it's because I've, I've got to the point where I no longer judge. I don't judge myself. I don't judge myself in comparison to other people. I used to do that a lot. It's one of the reasons why I was so hell-bent on, you know, high achieving. I don't do that anymore. Um, I don't judge others. You know, I accept that everyone really is doing their best. Everyone's trying to do their best. When you think about it, everyone's really trying to do their best. Now, you might think that they're being misguided, the, 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 but you know, you don't know what sort of horrible day they might have had. They might have just found out that you know, their child has got leukemia. You don't know. So if you, if you start to look at people as, as being like you, an aspect of the divine, trying to do their best, well, suddenly judgment drops away. And with judgment dropping away, disappointment drops away.
1: Bill, you talked about the impact of this journey on your own life. Um, coming up, I'd love to learn more about the impact that you have seen in other people's lives from watching the film or even interacting with you.
0: Do you remember what we used to say about running?
2: Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: exactly, exactly. I'm B.J. Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when (sighs) something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone.
1: My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing.
0: I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. and I'll talk training. with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up, and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable, and so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this.
1: So, Bill, you had talked about the impact on you. What has been the impact on others from watching the show? Sort of the response that you've seen and the range of responses that you've seen. And, and also a little closer to home, you had talked about your sister, but how about your, um, your own family's l- life, let's say, like with, with your wife, with your siblings you had mentioned who were all in the medical field. How has that impacted your life?
2: Mm -hmm. well first off um, the impact that the film has had on the audiences um, I have to say that I have been astonished at the responses that I've been getting the responses have been quite overwhelming really overwhelming Um, people have come up to me and looked me in the eye and said this film is going to change my life and you know I do q and a 's after the screening some of them that I can attend, and people come up to me after after the q and a 's and and they are just genuinely thankful that i've made the film and that a lot of people say this validates the way i've been thinking or this validates the way I want to move forward um, and that kind of thing. but perhaps the most um moving and powerful expression of this is that I was at sort a of screening and I was surrounded by people after the q and a and they were wanting to talk to me and and you know and so forth and ask me further questions and there was this young man tall gaunt young man who was sort of, sort of on the periphery a little bit and he was sort of pacing around and and I knew that he wanted to talk to me and I found a moment to clear a bit of space and and he kind of rushed in and he, he said to me very quietly before this film i was going to take my own life but now i'm not and then he walked off and i thought wow wow um in terms of how it's um it's impacted on those around me um the, the toughest screening julie the toughest screening that i've that i've attended is the one where my family saw it and, um, and by my family i mean my mother who's still alive um my brother my sister and you know and their and their their immediate family and the best i got from them was at the end they kind of slapped me on the back and said gee bill that makes you think <laughs> <laughs> um, they, um my my family my family doesn't believe it and they don't believe i've really changed and I think probably, you know, over what I'm sure to going to turn 65, over a long period of time, for me at this quite late point in my life to do a fundamental switcheroo,ny, <laughs> you know, as I as I have, maybe, maybe it is hard for them, but there's certainly I have demonstrated to them the fact that I would call up my sister and tell her that I love her and that I want to be friends was astonishing to them, absolutely astonishing because we have my, my sister and I have been at daggers drawn for all of our life um, and so there was a practical demonstration of the changes that i 've been going through. Um, my wife is on a similar spiritual journey and we 're lockstep and we 're hand in hand and we 're having the best time we 're just having the best time but i 've got to say this. When I made the decision, and it was a big decision for me, when I made the decision that I was going to make this film, I knew, I knew at that moment that it was going to change my life. I knew that I couldn't make the film and be the person I was. I knew the film was going to change my life. And my wife said to me, you're going to lose friends. And she said, in the next breath she said, but you're going to gain more friends, more new friends than the ones you lost, and that's what's happened. I've lost a lot of friends, friends from my old life, friends from from the Bill Bennett that once was, you know, which was wild, reverent, um, strong, strong-willed, strong-minded, opinionated, all of that kind of stuff. They they want to keep me in the past, and knowing that they can't keep me in the past, they've dropped off as friends. But what's happened is my wife was absolutely right. I have picked up, you know, for every one friend that, that I've lost, I've picked up maybe five or ten friends that I've gained that are most extraordinary human beings. I can't speak to that, to people from my old part of my life I have nothing to say to them. I've, I've got nothing in common with them anymore. Anything that they say to me, I probably will disagree with. Um, and so I just shut up. So rather than engage in conflict and try and change their minds, I'll never change their minds. I just keep quiet. And so they think I'm really boring. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I'm boring. <laughs> it's just that I want to talk about other things now. Um, so that's, it's been really at this point in my life, suddenly this whole new world has opened up to me. It's just wonderful.
1: I'm really happy for you and for all that is to come because really this is just the beginning. Um, very quickly, if you could do a part two of all the footage and, and points that were made that didn't make it into the film or something else, what would it be?
2: Uh, Julie, I know that already. I want to make a film on fear. I want to look at fear the same way that I've looked at intuition. I want to look at it from um, an esoteric viewpoint. I want to look at the various fears that we have. And I want to look at how we can let go of fear. I see it as a companion piece to my film on intuition. Um, And I'm really excited about doing a film on fear, but I have to say I'm afraid of it.
1: Most likely, it will it will bring up a lot of things that that you may not even know you were afraid of, though so you say Absolutely. you were Absolutely. not afraid of anything at this and, point. And
2: I think probably for the film to work, that has to happen. I really need to dig deep inside myself, because look, I'm just an ordinary bloke. I'm, you know, I'm I I, I don't have any particular powers, psychic powers or um, any. You know, special knowledge, anything like that. I've got a curiosity, and I have an ability to make movies. They're the only two things that I do. But that's, you know, that's no big deal. I'm I'm just a regular bloke, and and that I think in this kind of communication is a good thing, because people can see that I'm a regular bloke, and they can go, okay, well, if Bill Bennett has undergone a change, then I can undergo a change, and people can. They can. If they let go, of fear,
1: mm-hmm. and I would go so far as to say that intuition is psychic power, and that everyone, everyone has psychic power. We call it intuition. We call it psychic power. Whatever it is, there are some terms that are more accepted or more have a, a more of a negative connotation than others. But what you are doing is the same as what I'm doing, which for my work, where I where I connect with something. Hire and receive information, and then it's up to us to act on it. It, And really, from even when I'm doing readings for clients, I'm still terrified. There's still that ego that's part of that's still there that says, What if, what if this doesn't resonate with them? What if this makes no sense? And every time I speak is like jumping off a cliff. I'd say it's, it's a, it's a muscle. And, and you've, I think, with everything that you've gone through, um, with the dreams, you've allowed these messages to come into your life, and with everyone, with everyone else, I think it's you know intuition comes to them in different ways. It can, it's like a different dialect or a language. For me, it's it's hearing. For others, it's dreams. It's a gut feeling. It's, um, uh, they might know knowledge like claircognizance. That the knowledge just drops into their mind, and in that sense, it's we're all such different people, and we all. Um, can speak in different languages. Why not? Why not speak? Well, this is one of the reasons languages. why I have called
2: the film "Personal Guidance System" because it is personal. And you're absolutely right, Julie. The thing that I've come to realize is that intuition connects with us personally, according to um, according to our particular propensities, our particular sensitivities. It is personal. You're absolutely right. And speaking about nervousness, I was in San Diego the other night and I had a screening with James Van Prague. Now, James Van Prague is one of the most highly sought-after, one of the most famous psychics on the planet. And we were about to go out and do the Q&A after the screening and he turned to me and he said, I'm nervous. And I said, you're kidding me. And he said, I get nervous before every time. And I said, oh, thank goodness you said that because I, I get nervous too. It was extraordinary to think that James van Prague was nervous, and so you know I think this is a a part of it. Always you're questioning, you're always questioning, and I think it's a good thing.
1: Well, this is uh, hopefully inspiring for you to kind of look back and and take this journey of of what your life has been since that that moment where you did listen to your intuition. How can people? get access to this film, watch it wherever they're located, what would you recommend?
2: Well, the film at the moment is being screened in cinemas. They're what I call pop-up screenings. so They're theatrical-on-demand screenings where a host steps forward and says, hey, I want to show this film to my community, to my network, to my yoga class, whatever. The best way to do it is to go onto the film's website, pgsthemovie.com, pgsthemovie.com, um, all the details are there as to how to host a screening. It doesn't cost anything. It just requires a bit of effort to get the numbers up to make the f- screening happen. Later in the year, it will come out online and on DVD.
1: And how can people connect with you with all the other work that you do—film, writing?
2: Oh, um, I'm pretty—I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty uh, accessible on on the internet. Um, if somebody just um, Google's my name, Bill Bennett, B I W L. B-E-N-N-E-T-T, they'll find me.
1: Perfect. And one final word that you'd like to leave us with.
2: Oh, that's easy. First thought, best thought. Your first thought is your intuitive thought. It's your true thought. It's your thought that will take you to greater things. Your second thought is your intellect thought, it's your safe thought, it will keep you in the here and now. Your first thought takes you to discovery. Your second thought keeps you safe and boring.
1: Well, we don't want to be boring. (laughs) (laughs) Bill, it has been such a pleasure having you here Seeing your film, hearing about the journey that you have taken—the inner journey as well as the the physical journeys—that have led to creating really the cinematography—I'd say watch the film. It's just beautiful, beautiful. Aside from the message itself, it's just very beautiful. And uh, I hope to to connect with you again when you are back here.
2: Thank you, thank you, June. It's been a real pleasure.
1: And for you, go watch the film follow the steps be reminded of of how intuition can help you in every aspect of your life and let us know how it goes from anything as mundane as my rental situation <laughs> to something else that is that is a big life-changing moment in your life and until the next time be on the lookout for all possibilities follow the show on twitter instagram and facebook at All Possible Show. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com. This show is produced by Mouth Media Network. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us.